Welcome back to the One Truth Podcast. I'm Aaron, and uh, as usual, we'll be studying God's Word and answering some questions that you may have. Maybe you've sent in some questions. Um, On occasion, we'll have some special guests, um, but we will be answering all your questions through the Scripture, so be sure and have your Bibles or your Bible app ready to go because uh, you never want to take man's word for it, only God's word for it. So let's open the scripture and do some studying. This is episode two, and in episode two we want to talk about hate and anger. So the question is, as Christians, uh, should we hate and uh, should we get angry? Uh, Obviously we're human and uh, the flesh is weak, as the Bible tells us. Um, But we need to strive for perfection, so the question for us today uh, to be answered from the scripture is uh, regarding hate and anger. So let's let's first see the examples that we should follow, which would be um, Jesus' example, God's example, and uh, what does the scripture say about them? Do Do they get angry? Do they hate anything? Um, and in searching this, I uh, found in Proverbs. So let's go to Proverbs 6. And, uh, and we read in the Old Testament here in Proverbs 6, starting of verse 16, it says, These six, six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that, that sheddeth innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. So there's there's quite a bit there. Uh, so right off the bat, it says, these six things doth the Lord hate. So obviously the Lord hates, um, and if the Lord's perfect, and that's where we're to strive to be as close to as we can, um, then there is uh, room for us to hate. Um, But let's look at what the Lord hates. The Lord hates a proud look. The Lord hates a lying tongue. The Lord hates hands that shed blood, uh, innocent blood. Um, The Lord hates a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Uh, the Lord hates feet that are swift to running to mischief. Um, the Lord hates a false witness that speaketh lies. Uh, and he that uh, soweth discord among the brethren. So all these things are actions. Um, if, you, if you think about what it is that God hates, he hates the actions. Um, he doesn't hate a specific person. He hates uh, the act of these sinful um uh, whether it be you know uh, killing somebody, whether it be uh, a proud look, um, all these things are outlined as sin. So obviously it's okay for us, it would be righteous for us to have hate towards sin. And in fact, we're told that we're supposed to. So let's read on to uh, Proverbs 8, um, starting in verse 13. It says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the froward mouth, do I hate. So the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So 
Uh, just as the Lord hates those things, we're to hate evil as well. Um, we can read in Psalms 97. I'm going to have you guys flipping around a lot. So let's go to Psalms 97. In verse 10 it says, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the soul of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. So we're told that we're to hate evil. If we love the Lord, we're told to hate evil. In Psalms 11, all right, let's flip ahead here. Psalms 11, in verse 5, it says, The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked in him that love violence his soul hateth. So it's telling us that um, it's okay to hate evil, but nowhere in the scripture did it just tell us to hate a person, right? It told us to hate sin. It told us to hate the evil um, God hates and that we're supposed to hate those things too. So I would say that if we think of whether or not we're to hate, it's not a blanket statement. It's not to say, yeah, we're, we're to hate, so it's okay to hate anything um, and anyone, so we're good to go. No, there is a, a righteous hate, and the righteous hate would be to hate evil. Yeah, you know, I was, I was reading these scriptures, and I was thinking, so the God uh, professes hate and evil, or hate for evil, throughout the Old Testament. And if you listen to a lot of the, the preachers and the churches um, in, in nowadays, they'll say in mainstream uh, churches, um, so-called Christian churches, they'll say, well, you know, the God of the Old Testament was a wrathful God, was many things, but I don't serve that God. I serve a different God. The God of the New Testament is love. The God of the New Testament loves everyone, and he has no wrath, and, and he has no hate or anger in him. And I would tell you that that's false. If any one of those um, things has come out of your preacher's mouth or the church that you go to, uh, you need to run from that church because it is not preaching the Bible. Because we know that God's perfect, and we know that the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And um, think about this. God has just outlined how he hates evil. He hates sin. Um, in fact, you know, as we do more studying, we know that that's the whole purpose for hell, is for sin and evil to be cast into, to, to be rid of. Um, that's the reason why a third of the angels and the devil were cast out of, of heaven. Um, and that's the ultimate destination for those who don't follow God, uh, God's word and for the devil and his angels. Um, and not, you know, I, I heard a podcast talk about this, and this is a good point. There's a lot of misconceptions that um, the devil will be down there ruling in hell and, and dishing out punishment to those who end up in hell. Understand this, hell is a punishment for all those that are not faithful to the Lord, as well as the devil and his angels. There's not going to be any ruling going on down there. Um, anyone in hell is going to be in torment um, for all eternity. So there's not going to be any uh, hooping and hollering, any uh, partying or anything like that. So if you listen to your heavy metal albums and you believe all that, then, um, well you got a lot of studying to do. We, we need to talk quite a bit. Uh, so back to what I was talking about. So the God of the Old Testament is the same as the God of the New Testament. 
And we want to read on about um, this direction uh, for us to hate because, you know, we just read four verses, uh, one of which was what the Lord hates, and then the other three were directing us um, as to what we're supposed to hate. Of course, the the last one, Psalms 11, was talking about um, the Lord's hate also for the wicked and um, them that love violence. Uh, So what about, um, what else does the Old Testament tell us about hate? So let's go on to Leviticus 19, because if you don't really study and you don't start to understand, um, one, Scripture in its context, but two, if you're not really trying to understand the true meaning behind what the scriptures are trying to tell us um, and and the word in its entirety, then you're going to be misled because we just read that we are told to hate. But here in Leviticus 19, in verse 17, it says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudging against the children of the people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So first we're told to hate some stuff, and then we're told not to hate. But if you read a little further, what it's saying is not to hate your brother. And if we think about what Proverbs and Psalm was telling us, it was telling us to hate sin, to hate specific actions, to hate um, the the intentions because, you know, it's a sin to have the intention. You know, when you murder someone in your heart, in your thoughts, it's the same as actually wielding the knife or the gun and murdering the person. Um, so those are the things we're to hate. But it tells us in Leviticus not to hate your brother. In Proverbs 26, starting in verse 24, it says, He that hateth dissembleth with his lips and lieth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart, the, uh, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be shewed before the whole congregation. So there's a warning against somebody that does hate, that, that actually has hate in their heart for other people, that they have lying lips, that we're not to listen to that individual. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, scripture here that we've just read around hating. And I think the, the whole message around hate is that, um, you know, to sum it up, it's not in the, in the Bible, um, but maybe in spirit, it's in the Bible is that saying that we're to, uh, hate the sin, not the sinner. And, and, and that probably is the best phrase to sum up what the message is, that we're to have hate for sin, but we're not to have hate for each other, for our brethren, right? Um, not only for our brother and sister in Christ, but also those who are outside of Christ, because if we have hate for them, then we're not going to bring them the word to try to help them become Christians, right? So what about the second question, anger? Uh, should we be angry? Um, believe me, if you were to watch the news or, uh, gosh, get on any social media, it's real easy to get angry really fast. Um, and you know, you might, you might do you some good to kind of do what I've done, which is I really don't watch the news at all. Um, I pop on the weather channel to check out whether or not there's going to be 
uh, some storms in the area while I'm out here working outside. Um, but other than that, I pretty much avoid the news. Uh, nine times out of ten, the news is just going to be there to sow discourse between you know different groups. And um, I mean, to be honest with you, if you were to watch the news, you'd think that this country is ready for another civil war. Uh, but as much as I travel around uh, this country and as much as I talk to people um, and, and many people who don't necessarily align with me um, on a, uh, a political background um, and even a social background, um, it's not as divided as what you think. That Everybody's still civil. Everybody can still have a normal conversation, although there are a few that you would meet that um, maybe you can't have a normal conversation with. Um, but, you know, uh, for us as Christians, we have to be able to go out into the world and talk to people because that's the only way that people are going to hear the truth and the only opportunity that they have to become a Christian. So, all right, so let's read on about anger. So the question is, um, can you be angry? Um, well, hold on a minute. I, I've got a couple more things that I wanted to cover. You know, when I talked about hate, uh, all the scripture that I just gave you were in the Old Testament. And you're probably asking yourself, Aaron, you know, the Old Testament is great because it does give us uh, the guidelines uh, for God's law. And it does illustrate the fact that we could not meet God's demands, God's law, and that the only way that we could be made perfect to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven is for uh, Christ's sacrifice for us. Um, but as Christians, we live under the New Testament. So the question would be, what does the New Testament say about hate? Um, and uh, I don't have multiple personalities, but I'm just trying to assume what you would say to me. So, <laughs> um, so let's go to 1 John. 1 John 4, uh, starting in verse 20, it says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his neighbor, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his, his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he is not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his neighbor, or love his brother also. So, as just outlined here, um, and this is a good point. It's saying, okay, if you say you love God, uh, none of us have ever seen God. Um, you know, we, we, we know uh, who God is. We know his love. We know about God through the scripture, through the word, um, because Jesus is the word and Jesus is from the father. Um, and the scripture is written uh, by man through divine inspiration, through the Holy Spirit. So we are seeing God in a way through the scripture, but the, the Bible says if, if you say you love God, who you've never laid eyes on, um, but then you hate your brother who you've actually laid eyes on, then you're a liar because how can you love something that you don't see, but then what you do see, you don't love. Um, but the bottom line is we're commanded to love one another. Uh, and, and if we love one another, then we're not going to hate that individual um, we're going to love them enough to bring them the word. Um, we also read in 1 John 3, in verse 15, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Wow. So that's pretty harsh. I mean, that's saying that if you hate your brother, not only is it a sin, but you murder 
that person. Now, is it talking about a physical murder by just hating someone? No, because I can tell you right now, half the world would have dropped dead from others hating each other if that was the case. But let's think about um, what's really important in the Bible. The importance in the Bible is our soul. You know, what happens here on earth doesn't matter. We're sojourners, it tells us. Um, as Christians, we're just traveling through. What what really matters is the eternity, right? Um, whether or not we'll be in torments for all eternity in hell or whether or not we'll be in that place that Jesus went to prepare when he ascended to the Father. So um, if you hate your brother, and this is obviously directed towards Christians, if you hate your brother, then you're not going to bring them the word. And it's as much as murdering that person because um, you've murdered their soul, essentially. You've taken yet another opportunity for them to possibly become a Christian by not presenting them the word. Because you know if you hate somebody, you're not going to bring them something like that. Um, you think about this in a worldly manner. Uh, if you know the cure for cancer and uh, there's a bunch of people in front of you that have cancer and you hate one of them, you're not going to tell them uh, what the cure for cancer is, right? So um, we shouldn't hate anyone. And uh, that's the point. We shouldn't hate a person. We definitely should hate sin, and that hate of sin should direct us to have action, to actually go out and do something about it. If we hate sin, then it means we should try to eradicate it. It means that we should try to avoid it at all costs, uh, and it means that we'll correct each other so that we avoid it. And that love that we would have for one another is, is what will direct us to make sure that um, we call each other out to make sure we avoid that or to get out of that life of sin. So back to what I, I started to talk about, which was anger. Um, the question is, should we um, have anger? And uh, again, let's look to, look to the Father or look to Jesus to see um, what does the Bible say about anger. And um, I'll tell you that um, it does not come out and specifically say that Jesus um, was angry. Um, but we all know that actions uh, many times speak louder than words. And uh, we're going to read um, about Jesus being angry. Um, and I'm sure from the way this is described, we can all picture it in our minds. And we can tell that this is a, a, someone who is very angry at um, the actions that have been taken. So let's go to John 2. In verse 13, it says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those that sold oxen, sheep, and doves, and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise, and the disciples remembered that it is written, The zeal of thine house was eat, uh, hath eaten me up. So, again, it doesn't say that Jesus was angry. Um, but let's, let's think of, um, you know, our, our spouse uh, or maybe our parents when we were younger. And let's think if, uh, if our spouse or our parents came in and saw something that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. And all of a sudden, they, get, they grab a bunch of cords to make like a whip, 
uh, and then they 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 shoo everybody out. Let's say you're sitting in the house, you've got all your your buddies over, and they've got their feet up on the coffee table. Um, I'm just trying to remember maybe my youth. They got their feet up on the coffee table. Uh, they got their drinks sitting on uh, the end table and the coffee table with no coaster. That was a huge no-no when I was a kid. Um, and and the place is a mess. You know they're eating chips or whatever, and and it's just a total mess. And uh, your mom comes home from work and she sees what's going on, and she goes back and she grabs the belt and she comes in and she starts shooing everybody out of the out of the living room, out of the house, telling everybody to get out, right? And then not only does she do that, but then she takes the coffee table and she flips it up on its end, and tells everybody to get out. Now. Would you not say that she was angry there? I would I would venture to say she was extremely angry. And it's not to take what uh, Jesus' anger, why he was angry, and parallel it saying that uh, a mother's anger over the condition of her living room is the same in which um, Jesus was saying his father's house was being mistreated. Um, I'm just trying to... to to show uh, an illustration, something that we can picture in our mind. Um, obviously, uh, the levels of um, you know God's house is much more sacred than you know our parents' living room. Um, but for us as humans, we can see that. Uh, I'm sure many of us have had something very close to that happen in our lives, and we can picture the anger that a parent would have, that a mother or a father would have in the condition of their house, and then just picture Jesus being upset, not only of the way that it's being mistreated, because you think about these money changers, these money changers um, not only are uh, treating the Lord's house as just a marketplace, um, but they've also taken the importance of the sacrifice and in their minds they've thought, well, how can I capitalize on other people not having what they need to sacrifice? Instead of seeing that whole process of the sacrifice to cover um, or to answer and atone for, well, not atone, but to cover or roll forward sin for a year um, and all the different sacrifices that had to be made for specific purposes, instead of turning that and seeing that as a sacred thing, they've seen that as a way to capitalize on, uh, on other people. Um, and not only that, but they're making money off of people who are of, you know, uh, less privilege, you know, maybe it's somebody that's had to spend their last dollar to find whatever it is. And you know that they're not going to have, I mean, they're going to charge a premium, right? It's kind of like when you go to a ball game, you go to eat food. Um, it's way more expensive at a ball game to eat food than it would be anywhere else because you're a captive audience, right? So all those intentions are sinful, and they're they're degrading and mistreating the Lord's house as well as the whole purpose of the sacrifice. And of course, Jesus is angry over this whole situation, so he kicks everybody out and cleans out the whole household, right? So this would be a righteous anger that Jesus has for the sinful actions. And again, just like the hate that we were outlined to have, um, it's a righteous hate. This is a righteous anger. And if you notice the two parallels, they're both directed towards sin. They're both directed towards the action of sin, not the individual, not the, not the, the person, but the sin itself. 
So let's read in Ephesians. Again, we want to make sure that we understand the who's writing, and we want to understand who it is that they're writing to. So Ephesians, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. Um, and in Ephesians 4, in 26, we're going to read, um, Paul writes to them, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Here we're told, you know, to be angry. Um, but yet again, this is going to be a righteous anger. Because think about this. If we see um, something, just as Jesus did in this case, and we get angry, we want to make sure we don't sin. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was without sin. Jesus was able to control his emotions and direct his actions in such a way that was 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 um, going to draw people to repentance or turn them away. You know, I mean, you think about it. The people who um, even seen, you know, was able to witness uh, Jesus um, performing miracles, uh, raising people from the dead. Uh, we're still the same ones that decided they would rather rather have Barabbas, who was a murderer, um, instead of Jesus, and crucified him, even though he had done no wrong, right? Uh, so, you know, it's going to go both ways, you know, one way or the other, but it's up to that individual. Um, and in this case, we're to be angry with um, the sin that we see, um, but we're not to let the sun to go down on that anger, and why would why would he say that? Why would he say not to let the sun go down on the anger? Well, I'll tell you, if you think about it from this perspective, um, let's say you have a couple of kids and uh, one of your kids does something wrong and you don't correct that individual right away. You wait a day or two and then you go correct them or maybe you correct them the next day. The problem with that is now the other individual who may have seen that, your other child that who may have seen the other one do what was wrong, may not get the message that what they did was wrong. Or they may see your punishment as soft. They may not, um, the individual who committed uh, the problem, the kid who, who did something wrong, it's not seared in their mind right when they did it that it was wrong so that they can change their action. And um, if you think of us, and this is to the church in Ephesus, and we think of the family, the church family, when somebody does something, we need to call each other out. Um, and if the church is being mistreated, maybe somebody is conducting themselves in such a way that is making the church, which is the body of Christ, look wrong, then we need to, we need to be angry that um, the church of Christ is being mistreated, that the body of Christ is being mistreated, and then that should um, push us to go do something about it. Not to beat somebody up, not to, um, to belittle them or whatever, but to make sure that we correct that individual so that one, that um, the Christ church is not looked upon in the wrong way, but also so that other individual who just did something is steered in the right direction, just as they should do with us. You know, if you think about back in life, um, if you think of your best friends, your best friends are usually the ones that have made you the most angry because they call you out when you're wrong. And that's the type of friends you really want is somebody that calls you out when you're wrong. Because that's the only way that you can be the type of person you're supposed to be is when you're called out when you're wrong, right? So as brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to make sure that when we see sin or we see something that's wrong, that righteous anger that we have, that we should correct it right away. Um, 
but we have to be cautious. We have to make sure um, that when we do correct it, that we correct it with a loving heart um, because uh, otherwise it can do the opposite, right? So let's read a little bit further here in Ephesians 4, in verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Wow. Okay, so (laughs) first we're said to be angry, and now it says we're supposed to put away wrath and bitterness and anger and evil speaking. Well, again, we talk about having a righteous hate and a sinful hate. And here we talk about a righteous anger and a sinful anger. And this anger would be directed towards a person for uh, some other purpose. You know, I, I right off the top of my head, I don't have a specific instance, but, you know, if you were angry at the person next to you for who knows, um, I don't know. Let's say you're in the church and and you're angry because uh, they were called on to pray instead of you at the end of the service or something. I I don't know. Um, that's obviously wrong, you know. And and that's going to be because of something fleshly, um, and that would be the wrong kind of anger. That you know you could have a bitterness um, towards someone. You know all these things are sinful and they're all going to be rooted in the flesh. Um, and uh, I'll say this because this this makes the most sense to me. If we're ever lost and we're ever um, not sure of how we're to conduct ourselves in a situation or what we're supposed to do uh, about anything, um, if we think about how we can please God first and foremost above how we feel and what we want, then we're always going to be correct. Well, Obviously, we have to make sure that it's rooted in the scripture. But if you if you're trying to please God, then that's exactly where you're going to go is to the scripture to make sure that you're pleasing God. When I say that, here's what I mean. I had an individual say um, we were discussing the Bible and we were discussing what it says about um, the positions in the church and um, what we're supposed to do. And, you know, the scripture is clear that a woman is not to be a preacher. Um, it says that they're not to usurp authority over man. Um, it says that the uh, appointment of a deacon and an elder is to be the husband of one wife. So obviously we know that a woman is not to be a deacon or an elder. Um, the scripture says that a woman is to be silent in the church service. And uh, we can do this on another time, going through to understand what the church service is. But in summary, the church service is um, the first day of the week when we gather together to break bread. Uh, so when we read in uh, Acts 20 that um, they met on the first day of the week to break bread, Paul preached unto midnight. Um, and also we read that we're to take up our tithe on the first day of the week. So, um, communion, tithing, and, uh, reading of the scripture is the church service. Um, everything else is not outlined as a church service. Um, so if a woman were to sing during the, uh, the, uh, singing, you know, before or after, um, you know, all those things that, uh, that doesn't fall as the church service. Um, and you know, for anybody to say, well, a woman's not speaking the church. Um, the church is the people. Uh, the Bible does not say that us as the new Testament church are supposed to build a specific building. Uh, the early church met in each other's homes. 
they met in the temple at the beginning when it was still um, the Jews who were the only ones who were uh, able to become Christians. And that's because that's exactly where uh, they found the Jews was in the temple. Um, so back to what I was saying. So basically what I've outlined is women are not to be preachers. Women are not to be deacons. Women are not to be elders. Women are not to uh, lead the communion meditation. So what does that mean? What are women to do? Well, women have all kinds of other purpose that, that they're supposed to uh, carry out. Us as Christians, we're supposed to go out and spread the word. That doesn't mean um, as a woman that they're not allowed to go out and spread the word. In fact, we're supposed to. Um, what that means is when someone gets angry because they want to be a preacher, they want to be a deacon, or they want to be an elder, and they don't meet those requirements, that means that they're thinking of their needs and not God's needs. If we're always thinking about God's needs, then we're going to seek what we can do to please God no matter what it is. And it's when we when we think of our fleshly wants and needs that we start to falter and that we start to veer off the, the path. Um, and that's what I mean by saying that if we ever have a question, if we seek out how we can please God, then the question is going to be answered, right? Um, if you're, uh, I mean, what heck it says, uh, a husband of one wife, okay? What that means is if your wife did not die and if your wife did not commit adultery, which the Bible says is the same as being dead to you, which would make you a widower, um, then if you've just been divorced, uh, and you want to become a deacon or an elder, that's that's not your position. That's not what the Bible outlines. Well, you can't get mad at that. You need to, instead of saying, well, I don't, I don't like that verse, I don't want to follow it, or um, this is wrong, or whatever you want to say, again, you're thinking of your own intentions. You're not thinking of how can I please God. So if we have the intentions of pleasing God, then we'll seek the truth, we'll seek what the Word says, and we'll follow it. No matter what our, our, our heart tells us what we want to do, we gotta, we got uh, we got to mirror our heart to God's heart and, and f- seek what He wants for us and what our purpose in life is and, um, and what our ministry is going to be. You know, we all have different ways that we can minister people. Some people are, are great athletes. Um, some people have some experience that, um, that they've gone through that people can relate to. Um, you know, you think of Paul. Paul had uh, so many different ways that he could reach people, so many different um, types of people that he was able to reach, the Jews, the Romans, um, because of his background, that um, his ministry was vast, right? Um, and that's exactly why the group of people who were put together uh, were put together, because they had different purposes uh, for God and, and for Jesus's church. And that's exactly the purpose that they served. Um, so again, you know, whether it's anger or hate, if it's directed towards sin and not to the individual and we love one another, um, then we'll channel that hate and anger towards sin to help each other uh, stay away from it, right? Um, I, I, I don't like um, sauerkraut. 
Uh, in fact, I would use the word hate. I hate sauerkraut. Um, and because I hate sauerkraut, I'm going to avoid it at all costs. I'm definitely not going to eat it. And to be honest with you, if somebody says, hey, I've never had sauerkraut, what do you think about it? I'm going to tell them that I hate it and that they shouldn't eat it, right? So if we, if we uh, think of that same thing with sin, then um, not only are we going to avoid it, but we're going to tell other people to avoid it as well. Right. And uh, that's the way we should be. Um, I'm not going to say that I would get angry and flip tables if somebody put sauerkraut on my plate. Um, maybe one of my kids because, you know, um, they're picky eaters, uh, but uh, um, I'm not going to eat it at all. So um, but anyway, so I, I just wanted to cover uh, anger and hate because, you know, I really feel like um the church nowadays has avoided a lot of subjects, um, and I think the reason is is you can bring in a lot more people uh, when you make everybody feel like everything's fine and perfect, everything is love, and um, it's not hard to be a Christian, and uh, you don't have to change anything in your life, and all is great and fine, and that's not the truth. All is great and fine, but being a Christian is not easy. And being a Christian means we do have to change. And guess what? You don't change once. You change continually. Um, the work that God has uh, to do to us, to make us what we're supposed to, will continue on until we leave this earth or Jesus comes back. And the only way we're going to be able to continue that is to do exactly what we did here, which is ask a question, open the word, and don't have the answer in your head already, but say, you know what, God, um, I, I'm going to study your word, and I want you to answer the question whether I like it, whether I like the answer or not. And then whatever that answer is, I'm going to follow. Um, and it's going to be really hard. We're going to lose friends and family over it. And, um, but... But here's the wonderful thing. We have a whole eternity to enjoy the fruits of this labor here on earth. And that's the key. That's the whole point of doing what we did here. So I hope you uh, tune in to another one of my podcasts. And uh, if you have any questions, please contact the podcast. You know, um, I'd love it if somebody would say, you know what, I'd like to have a conversation. I'd like to be on the podcast. And um, I got several questions that I'd like to ask. And you know what, you don't have to be a Christian. Um, if you know somebody that you've been talking to who's not a Christian and you want to get on the podcast and have a discussion, that's great. Um, I'm, I'm open to doing that. Um, because uh, I know God's word is perfect, and uh, I know that we can find all the answers to any question that anybody may have through the word, and um, that's the intention of this podcast. So thank you, God bless, and um, if Lord willing, uh, there'll be another episode next week. Thank you.